Are you looking for ways to attract and retain private pay clients? Thryzer is a payment platform for therapists built to help clients automatically tap into their out-of-network benefits and save on therapy up front. Check out our special link, join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist, and use the code modern therapists to activate $2,500 in free payments with Thryzer. Therapy notes, the number one trusted EHR among mental health professionals just keeps getting better and better. With legendary customer support 24 hours a day, seven days a week, they're giving you all the tools you need to succeed, whether you're a solo clinician or a group practice. Try them free for two months using promo code MODERN today. You're listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide, where therapists live, breathe, and practice as human beings. It's time to reimagine therapy and what it means to be a therapist. We are human beings who can now present ourselves as whole people with authenticity, purpose, and connection, especially now when therapists must develop a personal brand to market their practices. To support you as a whole person and a therapist, here are your hosts, Kurt Widhelm and Katie Vernoy. Welcome back to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. I'm Katie Vernoy. And I'm Kurt Whithelm. And today we're talking about the importance of time management, setting healthy boundaries, and how to go about scheduling your life and your practice. So that way you are happy, healthy, and competent. Katie, what do you see as the most important part of time management? Well, I really like that you mentioned competent in the overview because I think that is such a big piece about time management. When we don't manage our time well, we can be running late. We can overcommit and not do what we say we're going to do. And so when we don't manage our time well, we are incompetent. And oftentimes it'll show up that we're not trustworthy. And that's really bad for a therapist who not appear trustworthy. So this would be things like running late to sessions, double booking clients, forgetting appointments, not taking care of yourself outside of sessions. Is that what you're referring to? Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I know for me that a lot of times I can get so caught up in being involved with my clients or networking or many of the other things that I manage to fill my schedule with that one of the things that often gets pushed to the side is my own self-care. Oh, I'm exactly the same way. I was getting it ready for this podcast and I realized that I had planned to work out and I did not. I was preparing instead. And for me, I have really learned that if I don't get up in the morning before the rest of my household does, so that way I can get outside and go exercise, that it's likely not going to happen during the day. Yeah, I think there's there's definitely something about having a schedule that you've managed so that you can make sure that things actually happen. So how do we go about scheduling ourselves in a way that is manageable? I don't know. I, I keep working on it. <laughs> so, you're, so you're not perfect at it. I'm not perfect at it. But what I've come up with so far is being able to really understand how much time and energy that you have so that you know what you have to work with. You have to start with a palette of this is how much time there is. This is what's already there. This is how much energy I have. And this is what I can actually put into my schedule. And I think that's that's a hard assessment to make, truthfully. It's really hard because it, there's a lot of moments when I commit to things where I'm like, I'm going to have a ton of energy to do that later. And then when I get there, I don't have the energy that I had signed up for. So. <laughs> <laughs> and that gets worse as you get older, Kurt, I'll tell you. It does. And I, I've, I've learned this as I have small kids that the interruptions in my sleep really 
really do affect the amount of energy that I have to get up and exercise, to have the commitment to follow through on things that I've signed up for, if it's a workshop, if it's teaching something. And so I've learned in my process to prioritize some of the big things. What are some of the big things for you? Obviously, it's being able to have my practice and see my clients. But on the self-care end of things, I've gone through some drastic changes in my lifestyle over the past several years. I used to be a very avid marathon runner. And then I had kids and I got a house and I started to be more successful in my practice. And with that came less and less time to go out and run and do the exercises. So I went from running sometimes 80, 90 miles a week down to have my marathons be entirely on Netflix. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think my marathons are typically on Netflix as well. So what I'm hearing though, is that as your life has shifted, you've been able to continue to find ways, you know, Netflix marathons, notwithstanding to adjust to what the priorities are. And so what is, what are the priorities now? What are the things that you make sure to put on your calendar now? So for me, I have learned that if I don't really prioritize self-care, that it's absolutely going to go to the wayside. And so that means that some of the first things that I block out into my schedule is how I'm going to get up and exercise in the morning, how I'm going to be able to make sure that I'm still doing some fun things in my life, that I'm not committing to doing work for different therapist organizations or volunteer work, and that I'm really able to put my important things as self-care into the schedule and then be able to move around those. I've read a book called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People or something like that by Stephen Covey. And he talks about big rocks. And so what you're really talking about is you're putting the big rocks, the, the things that are most important to you into your schedule first and then scheduling around them. And just to briefly explain what the big rock concept is, basically, if you were to fill a container with sand, the big rocks would be very hard to get in. But if you put the big rocks in first, and then you put stones and pebbles, and then sand, you can fit a lot more in, but you can't get those big rocks in if you filled it in with, you know, kind of the nothingness of sand, the scrolling through Facebook, the staring at your email inbox, fitting in the big rocks doesn't work unless you've actually done it first. Absolutely. And maybe someday when I do have time, that's a book that I should read. Yeah, it's a good book. It's it, a good so- book. it sounds like sounds like a big stone. It's <laughs> It's 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 a big rock. Yes, it is. So for me, I think the, the big rocks can be similar. It can be self-care, although sometimes the self-care gets pushed away, I have to be honest. I know for me, I talk about sacrificial helping syndrome. And so oftentimes the things that are bigger rock for me are things that are for other people that rather than for myself. So that's a big challenge. I have to remind myself that if I don't take care of myself, I cannot help other people. And so making sure that I'm getting my rest, I'm eating properly, that I'm working out, which is still, I'm still working on all this stuff, but that I do those things, it means that I can show up better for my clients. And so for me, sometimes it's a mindset of how do I really define the big rock so I can put them on my calendar without guilt. Years and years of practice in my life has come to this very finely curated, as long as I get stuff done by the deadline, I'm successful. And, and it's something that unfortunately procrastination has made me very, very good at that. I'll, I'll finally sit down and I'll look at what's happening the next day and be like, oh, yes, I'm going to stay up a few hours later tonight to get my stuff done for tomorrow. How can I get out of this habit? I think that's a good one. I think a lot of us do that. And and the corollary to that is there's some of us who will not want to procrastinate to the last minute and we'll put it on our schedule and then we'll move it down our schedule and then we'll keep moving it down our schedule and feel guilty every single time and spend emotional energy and some anxiety and some self-recriminations for not doing it all the way through. So the way to, to handle both of those things, procrastinating to the last minute and not really having time to do it or 
guilting yourself into trying to do it for weeks at a time, what you do is it's called just-in-time scheduling. And it's making sure that you identify when something's due, block in the time right before to do it. So you're not saying the end of the day, oh no, I've got to stay up, but you've actually scheduled time that day or the day before to do it. So you have to do it when it comes up on your schedule. So you don't keep rehearsing it and getting stressed out about it, but you also have then put time in at the last minute so that you aren't staying up super late to do it. So it has the flavor of both. You're scheduling, but you're not scheduling it too soon. This then also requires some follow through for me to where I'm looking at it and being like, I'm in this habit. This is something that's not really due for another couple of weeks. This is when I can scroll through Facebook or watch stupid things on <laughs> YouTube. <And laughs> this this does require a little bit of self-discipline is what I'm hearing out of this. I think it it's some self-discipline. I think that there is huge rewards. So I think it's motivated self-discipline. I think if you are able to just put it on your schedule, then you get to forget about it until then. And so there's not that guilt of, oh no, there's this, I have all this stuff to do. It's I've scheduled everything out. And it's really starting and taking each of your things and doing that with them. And so one of the pieces, and I guess this goes back to the self-discipline, one of the pieces is scheduling time in your calendar to plan. Thryzer is a payment platform designed for out-of-network therapy. As a therapist, you would use Thryzer to charge clients for sessions and collect your full rate upfront. From the client's perspective, Thryzer links to their health plan, so insurance claims are automatically submitted for them upon every charge. From there, Thryzer manages the claims end-to-end so that your clients don't have to worry about manually submitting super bills or getting on calls with insurance. The best part? Thryzer allows clients to only pay their co-insurance portion for sessions, while Thryzer covers the rest of your fee and waits for reimbursement on their behalf. They also offer you an instant benefits calculator for free, allowing you to provide upfront transparency to prospective clients on their out-of-network coverage. Therapists only pay a standard 3% credit card processing fee per session with no additional fees. Visit join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist to get started and use our promo code modern therapists to receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions. So sitting down to plan, being able to realistically look at our schedules, be able to lay out not just what is happening within a given day, but over the course of several days. I know for me that a lot of times when I do take those wonderful vacations of self-care, that one of the things that I've learned in my life is that I need an extra day after I get back home just to decompress from vacation to get back into my flow of things. Oh, for sure. And I think even having a work day that you come back to that's light so that you can get back on track, check emails, that kind of stuff. I made the huge mistake after my last vacation of having some auto scheduling going on. I've got some systems in place. And so I was scheduled with a ton of phone calls and client meetings the two days I got back from vacation. And oh man, I got so sick. I just couldn't get anything accomplished. It's really important to take the time, the personal time at the end of vacation, but also a professional slow day where you're really just getting back in the groove and responding. And I think that even in a more micro part of our schedules, one of the ways that this comes up is even leaving yourself time to write notes at the end of sessions, the end of the day to catch up on the paperwork that you run into in your practice. Because there's a lot of times where I look at my schedule and I'm like, okay, I'm done seeing clients at seven o'clock today. So you can realistically expect for me to get home at 7.30, 7.45. Oh, wait, I still need to write notes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
And then all of a sudden, either you're not doing your notes and then the notes get backlogged. And so ethically, you're not taking care of that responsibility or your spouse, your kids are saying, where's Kurt? Why isn't he home yet? Speaking of spouse and kids, what about when things like you bring up, you got sick or what if kids get sick and now all of a sudden you're having to take a day off and you're trying to balance the schedule of everybody that you would have been seeing on that day? You know, having backup plans and having your systems in place so that you can communicate quickly and with people getting sick, you need to take time off. You don't want to go and get your clients sick because even if you get paid for that day, they'll probably all be gone the next week when you're feeling better. So I think having systems in place so you can promptly call people and cancel is really important. But one thing, and I, and I want to hear what you want to say about that too, but one thing before I forget is oftentimes when I try to prioritize separate from when I'm sick or when my schedule gets offset is I think about those days when I'm sick and the things that I absolutely will not cancel, the things that I absolutely have to do, those are actually the biggest rocks. Those are the things that are most important. And so I need to make sure that on the daily basis, I'm managing my schedule as though I'm sick. So for me, when my kids get sick, one of the advantages that I have in my life is that my wife's employers in the past have a lot more generous sick leave policies than my private practice does. One of the things that I've really had to come to terms with is my own anxiety as far as missing clients, that I'm not working, I'm not getting paid, Mm -hmm. that uh, it's nice when I do have a family balance of being able to have my wife be able to use her sick leave that I don't really get in my private practice. I don't know if you've experienced the same kind of mentality of if I'm not working, I'm not able to be able to pay my bills or be able to invest in the next part of my practice. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, it's so, so common among all types of entrepreneurs who don't have sick leave that they keep working even though they're sick because of that fear. And it really is short-sighted. I know for me, when I was working in public mental health, there would be days I would not take off sick. I would go into the office and I ended up being sick for so long. Like I would be sick for weeks and my productivity would be way lower. And I would really, I would get my employees sick. So then their productivity would go down. And in private practice, when I've actually dragged myself in, even though I was sick, I mean, I'm not joking. I, I would have clients cancel the next week. So I would still lose the income. It would just be based on my clients getting sick because I got them sick. So I, I, I've learned to balance it. I think the self-care and the presenting myself and, and practicing what I preach in a way has helped me to get around that because I know in the background, if I'm not showing up in a positive way, if I go to, to my private practice sick, my clients aren't going to respect me as much. And so the longevity of the client relationship may be impacted. But I also know that by not being there when I'm sick, I have a higher chance that my clients will show up on the weeks that I'm, I'm well. <laughs> I'm remembering a session where I had where I had eaten dinner and kind of forced my way through a session where I wasn't feeling super well. And then my very last client of the night came in and it was about five minutes into session. And I said, you know, I'm not going to be able to give you my best night tonight. And I really think that it's a disservice to you and it's a disservice to our relationship for me to fake this through tonight's session. And the client was very understanding and he went home and it was about five minutes later that I got very, very sick before I even left my office building. Mm. So there's definitely a part of this that's recognizing within yourself what you're really capable of. And that can even be a part of the therapeutic process. Sometimes it's forced, sometimes <laughs> it's, it's something that you can see as it comes up. But I think that as part of being completely honest with your clients, it's letting them know exactly how capable you are and when you've overextended yourself. It's 
living by example, it's helping clients to see that we're human beings, which I think some therapists aren't comfortable with. But I think in truth, when we can, in a human way, show, hey, we're still, we still get sick, we still make mistakes, we still have these struggles, I think our clients feel more capable of their own healing because it doesn't seem so far off. It's not this perfect person that I'm supposed to live up to, but another human being that's going along on the path. Some of this also is balancing out when unexpected client crises come into our practice that, you know, there's definitely a distinguishment between something that might seem like a crisis and something that actually is a crisis and how we're expected to respond in those situations. I think what I've seen a lot of is helpers are called on by clients, by family members, by everyone, by things that are are mentioned or described as crises. And I think we oftentimes, because we are helpers, we want to help, that we will jump to it and we'll respond, you know, I need, I need you to call me back right away or, oh, I'm having a crisis. And that can happen both personally and professionally. I think with clients, we have an ethical and legal responsibility to be responsive, to take care of them. But with friends and family, it happens the same way. Like those are relationships that are important to us. And so because we are helpers, oftentimes we're called on in situations where theoretically they'd still be able to take care of themselves. And so being able to identify what truly is a crisis is critical because we could have our schedule derailed all the time by somebody that needs our help. And part of this too is that as we're in the 21st century now, and a lot of therapists are operating their businesses through cell phones rather than having an office line that gets left behind. Our clients now have a lot more access to us than they ever did before. And so they're expecting a lot quicker response from us, whether it's a crisis or not. For sure. Some therapists are able to have a secondary line that's Google Voice or something that is something that they can shut off in the evening. They can check their messages in the morning once it's an appropriate business hour. But for therapists who operate on just kind of their cell phone and they can wake up in the middle of the night if their you know dog is waking them up, their kids, they need to go to the bathroom, whatever, they see that they have seven missed phone calls at two in the morning. Is there a responsibility to respond to your clients at that time of the night? I think that's a really tough one. I've I've struggled with that one a lot. I think there are, are definitely ways that you can make sure that it's very clear what your response time is, that kind of stuff. I think it's so critical to try to have a way to really shut off in the evening. I think there's I think there's a lot of different ways that people handle this. So where is this dividing line as far as what's a crisis, what's a true crisis, and what's a crisis-esque situation? Well, I think there's there's two pieces to that. I think the, the first one, what a crisis is is something that's truly life-threatening, truly harrowing that needs to have our attention immediately. Now, whether that's during business hours, after hours, what responsibility and relationship we've set up as far as our after-hours availability, that's a separate topic. But when you're getting a, a call in the middle of the day and somebody's really upset because they had a bad interaction with their boyfriend, not a crisis. Being able to help them soothe themselves and talking with them in session about how to soothe themselves until you can have a scheduled phone call or a scheduled session is critical to empowering them to handle their own things. Someone calling and saying, I'm going to kill myself, obviously a crisis. The dividing line that I try to really make clear is that it's truly life or death. It's truly something that's going to be absolutely horrible. And I don't derail my schedule, even if someone's going to be evicted, if they're going to be homeless. Those things are, there's notification, there's time. It's not something that needs to be handled right in that minute because people need to be able to handle some of their own crises themselves or their own urgent matters themselves. True crisis that we have to take responsibility for, those things are actually pretty small. We need to respond, but immediately, responding immediately is something that is pretty limited, I think. What is your opinion on that, Kurt? What 
what this is bringing up for me is I, from time to time, I go into restaurants or offices and I see these signs that say, your failure to plan is not a crisis on my part. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that part of this is really related to we have to stay within what we're capable of and that we might need to allow ourselves time to catch up throughout our day, throughout our week, as far as picking up on clients or being able to have an appropriate time to address situations that come up. And I'm not going to be expected to interrupt one client session to deal with a crisis someplace else that this is why we go over with clients that emergency rooms are an option or that take yourself to a place where you can be cared for. I'm not the absolute savior of your life and I don't have everything that can help you be able to live healthfully, but that I will do my best to get you there. And my best might not be enough every single time. Not only does Therapy Notes combine billing, scheduling, notes, secure messaging, group telehealth, and more into one streamlined platform, they're also always adding new features and forms to their library. So no matter your specialty, Therapy Notes has you covered. Learn more at therapynotes.com and use promo code MODERN for two months free. I think so. I think that we need to remind ourselves that if we become that person that can save them, that really infantilizes them. It does not help them move forward as an individual. We're fellow journeyers. We have some guidance. We can help them plan. Certainly, we can provide support and we have responsibilities to help keep them safe. But the goal is really self-determination, taking care of themselves and managing their own crises in the long run. So we've talked about some of the challenges that we've faced in our own personal scheduling. What about some of the successes that you have as far as being able to effectively manage your own time and your own schedule? I think the biggest success I've had is in making sure that I block out times for different types of activities. I, I find that I'm much more productive when I actually do things in a pack. So like I'll schedule time to return phone calls. And so I'll just kind of get in the rhythm of responding to phone calls. If I need to write a blog post, I'll schedule time for writing and not try to write it in between sessions. I have specific days that are set aside for my therapy practice and specific days that are set aside for consulting and networking and those types of things. And I find that when I'm in a rhythm, yeah, I can kind of move into different activities, but it, it, I'm more efficient because I'm able to kind of keep in a similar mindset. And I also am able to kind of plan for creative time so that my brain is already working in a more creative way. And for me, I'm guilty of the just-in-time scheduling and was very notorious throughout my undergraduate career for <laughs> pulling the all-nighters to start papers that were due the next day. And I've really taken on a lot more of the responsibility of getting things done as they come to me and not necessarily waiting until deadlines that it might be something where I need to tweak a project later on, but that I really have to take kind of that proactive idea and would rather not have things to do on my to-do list than have things continue to build up. And this has been a lot more successful for me in being able to manage my practice and be able to manage my day-to-day -day life as well. To talk about what you were just saying, I think there's times that I will go in, see an email, think about it, mark it as unread, go back. And I think being able to do something as it comes to you, especially things that are pretty simple, if you get in that mindset, you can accomplish a lot more than feeling like you need to, to ruminate on each task, each email before you respond. I think another success that I've had is, is making very small daily to-do lists in figuring out how much I can 
can actually accomplish, I realize that I'm always going to expect more of myself than I can actually do. And so what I've been doing, especially more recently, is taking my week, seeing what's actually on the calendar already, but also what are the what are the what progress can I make towards my big goals and and really trying to make doable three to five item to-do lists for each day so that I can actually have an endpoint and and get the things accomplished that are most important. So for somebody who's coming out of a agency type work who might be interested in starting a private practice, what are some of the obstacles in balancing the time and the energy that would go with working a full-time job and starting to launch a practice? The biggest obstacle I had was being able to define what actually is a work task. When you're working in community mental health, your measurement is productivity. How many client hours have you had? How much documentation have you done? And it's just run, 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 run. And so when work becomes networking and it becomes being on social media and interacting in Facebook groups for therapists, when it becomes writing copy and blogging and those kinds of things, it can be harder to identify because they're fun, (laughs) or at least they're fun for me. It can be hard to identify it as work. And so being able to identify what is work, how much work can I do each day? What types of activities can I do on the same day? What things do I need more energy for? What do I need less energy for? What energizes me? What drains me? And being able to really set a schedule that works for you so that you continue to move forward. Part of this for me is really being able to combine some of the fun aspects with making it into a business aspect. So one of the things that I really end up doing is sitting in Los Angeles traffic a lot of the times is when I'm calling up my therapist friends, that's when I'm building my networking relationships. It's being able to kind of multitask, but being able to do it with intention and being able to stay connected to some of the important people in my life in that way is just one example of parsing out a good use of my time. I don't typically like multitasking, you know, trying to answer emails and do this and do that, those kinds of things. I think we don't actually multitask. We we go from one task to the other. But when you describe multitasking, it's doing things at the same time that are congruent. I spend the time in LA traffic talking to my family and staying in touch with my friends. So it's it's an opportunity that you're just stuck sitting in a car <laughs> where you can actually, you know, using your appropriate Bluetooth or headset, be able to to stay in touch and, and not kind of waste that time. There's also times in traffic I'll have my recorder on and I'll be recording ideas for a blog post or those kinds of things. I think the other way that I like to quote unquote multitask in a productive, healthy way is I will network and do charity work and volunteer work with my colleagues and friends. And so it becomes a social aspect. There's a business aspect. There's a meaningful aspect. And so it brings it all together, which you don't necessarily get to do when you're working for someone else. You can really design it and really manage your time differently when you are doing that in your own private practice. And part of this is also combined a conference or a travel trip that you might have for a business and extending that into a vacation as well, that you're able to go someplace, a destination and have the work aspect to it, but also be able to sit down, enjoy yourself and come back with a clearer head or a clearer idea. I mean, I think this is is so important. We could talk about this for hours and hours. There's so many different ways that you can manage your time. And I think we both have really commented pretty strongly or we've discussed pretty strongly why why time management is so important. But I think if the the biggest takeaway that I think that people should take is that your time is yours to manage.
manage. And anytime someone puts something in there or you're feeling pushed or pulled versus being intentional, I think you need to pay attention and, and maybe think about some of the things that we brought up today. Be intentional, find your big rocks, find what's important and let the smaller pebbles, the sand fill in around it. So that's it for today. We will be back soon with another amazing episode. Thanks for joining us. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. Learn more about who we are and what we do at mtsgpodcast.com. You can also join us on Facebook and Twitter. And please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of our episodes. Remember to check out Thryzer. They are passionate about making out-of-network therapy work for everyone. Clients save upfront on therapy while therapists earn their full rate. Get started in minutes on join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist and use the promo code modern therapists and receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions. Thanks so much to our partner, Therapy Notes, the highest rated practice management solution for behavioral health. Don't forget, using promo code modern gets you two free months.